the teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. And greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to your inner divinity. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. So today, we're going to explore soulmates and twin flames. Is that right, Tom? Yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> you know, I figure with all the dating sites out there these days, a lot of people are obviously looking for that perfect partner, looking for love. And I think that we can certainly provide a unique slant on the topic. Looking for love from the Ascended Master's point of view. That's right, Terry. Yeah. Looking for love in all the right places. <laughs> You're not going to start singing, are you? No, fear not, Mon co-host. <laughs> I will save the singing for the shower. All okay, right. so let's get right to it. And, you know, well, maybe not just yet. I have to confess that I was looking forward to this show as a bit of light relief from the fairly heavy content we've been serving up recently. Like Dweller on the Threshold, <laughs> yeah. Resurrection, Hierarchy, The Dark Knight of the Soul. Yeah, we've tackled some pretty meaty content lately. Well, yeah, we have. So I'm thinking that maybe a show on love, on finding your soulmate in Twin Flame, might be a breath of blessed relief. Until? Uh, until I realized that most of my most important and sometimes most painful learning was with and through relationships. Well, I'll bet that just about everyone listening can say the same. Well, I'm sure they can. And I just had to laugh at myself for even thinking that we would be taking a break from meaty content with today's program, which we've titled Looking for Love. Well, nothing's stopping us from treating this with a light touch, though, is there? Well, heavens no. In fact, I think it probably calls for a light touch wherever possible. But, well, you know, I'm just saying that looking for love isn't just a walk in the park. But it can be heavenly. Let's not forget that. Well, in fact, why don't we focus on that? Is there a perfect partner for us somewhere out there? Do we each have a twin flame? Yes, there is, and yes, we do. Just read all of the dating site promotions, and there is a gazillion of them. Oh, man, you're right about that. But this idea of twin flames is not simply dating site jargon. In fact, when they use the term, they miss a lot more of the target than they hit. Tom, um, that was delicately put. <laughs> well, we don't want to get anybody mad at us. No, we sure don't. But I think one of the first and most important points that we can make about these concepts of soulmates and twin flames is that they are anything but superficial. You know, there's a very deep inner level truth about our relationships, especially soulmates and twin flames, that involves, guess what? Oh, I don't know, karma. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> our old friend, karma. Typically, soulmates and twin flames have a lot of shared karma. You mean that maybe this life is not the first time they've, looked, they've hooked up? <laughs> exactly. This could very well be the tenth, or the hundredth, or the thousandth time two souls have shared a common path. So, speaking of common, they probably have a lot in common, <laughs> which is what attracts them in the first place. And what might also pull them magnetically together is a lot of unfinished business. They made karma together, and they, they're better off balancing it together. Yeah, exactly. And this means that we can have more than one soulmate. Sure. Over multiple lifetimes, we've undoubtedly had several soulmates. And, and no, we are not advocating polygamy. Nor are we suggesting this as a convenient backdoor strategy for exiting current relationships. <laughs> no. 
it is certainly best and highly recommended to deal with one soulmate at a time. Sage advice, Tom. <laughs> Dearly bought. <clears throat> but enough of that. Let's just say that soulmates are generally kindred spirits who have come together to master the same type of karma and develop the energies of the same chakra. So, soulmates have an attraction that is based on sacred labor and on the path of self-mastery. Certainly very noble and worthwhile goals. You could say that your soulmate is like the echo of yourself working at the same task to fulfill a blueprint for God. You know, a great example of soulmates with a common goal would be Joseph and Mary. Oh, yeah. The parents of Jesus who shared the responsibility of nurturing the Christ within their son. You know, Terry, that's a great example, and it should give everyone a pretty good idea of the nature of soulmates. Now, what about twin flames? There's a fundamental difference between soulmates and twin flames. That difference being that we only have one twin flame for now through eternity. That's true. Each of us has a twin soul, a twin flame. In the very first moment of our existence, God created each of us and our twin flame out of a single white fire body, separating it into two spheres of being, one with a masculine polarity, the other with a feminine polarity. Yep, that's right. And though separate in polarity, at their birth, each shared the same spiritual origin and unique pattern of identity. You know, aeons ago, you and your twin flame stood before the father-mother God and volunteered to descend into the planes of matter to bring God's love to earth. Yep, and here's where it gets sticky. <laughs> the original plan was that you would go through a series of incarnations in both masculine and feminine embodiments as each half of the divine whole learned to be the instrument of God. Our early life on earth was blissful, and we would each have continued to share the beauty of the relationship of cosmic lovers with our twin flame throughout our many incarnations if we had remained in harmony with each other and with God. But did we? No. Nope. <laughs> Instead, we fell from grace, from the state of perfection by misusing God's light. This is the true meaning of the Garden of Eden story. Had we retained the harmony of the one, the rapture of our love would have remained throughout our lifetimes on earth. When our harmony was lost through fear, mistrust, or a sense of separation from the source, we became the victims of our negative karma. Yep. Then, separated vibrationally, no longer preferring one another, we became bound by entangling alliances and mutual neglect until our souls cried out for the living God and each other. So each incarnation, apart from our twin flame, was spent either creating negative karma or balancing some of the karma that stood in the way of our reunion. Yeah, at times we assumed various relationships with our twin flame, husband-wife, mother-son, father-daughter, sister-brother, in order to unwind the negative strands of energy we had woven into our subconscious through our misuse of free will. And now, as we have moved into the Aquarian age, it is time that people of light who are on a spiritual path need to learn to contact their twin flames. Yep, and it is our relationship to God and our higher self that holds the key to finding and becoming one once again with our twin flame. In other words, you don't need to go looking outside in the physical world for your twin flame. That's right. The best way to someday becoming united or reunited with your twin flame is to first seek your wholeness within. All else will proceed from this first and most important step. This is the process of spiritual alchemy, changing our native patterns, the base metal of the human ego, into the gold of the real divine selves. And that's why we talk so much about the subject of awakening to your inner light, your own innate divinity. This is where you originally came from, and this is where your soul and spirit want to return to, hopefully with your twin flame. But, into a, but until twin flames achieve a certain, master, a certain level of mastery and oneness with their real selves, they are often unable to cope with the weight of their negative karma together. 
Well, that's a very good point, Terry. In fact, this negative karma can be actually amplified by the presence of of your twin flame. Mm. Because the same unique factor, their identical blueprint, that gives twin flames their great combined spiritual power can likewise cause the amplification of their negative patterns. So maybe with this additional background, you can see why any earthly dating site that uses the possibility of finding soulmates (laughs) and twin flames is possibly promoting the courting of something other than bliss. (laughs) (laughs) At least perhaps now you will approach the subject of reunion with your twin flame with your eyes open. Now, besides the union of soulmates and twin flames, there's a third kind of marriage relationship, the karmic marriage. Yeah, this is similar in some respects to the marriage of soulmates. In the karmic marriage, two individuals are drawn together for the balancing of mutual karma and are very important, even though sometimes difficult for achieving mastery in the spiritual path. In fact, it is not uncommon for a karmic marriage to be the opportunity for balancing severe crimes, Mm -hmm. betrayal, hatred, even murder. You know, the intense love of the husband-wife relationship may be the only way to overcome these negative records. I see what you mean, by the way. <laughs> About the relative lightness of today's topic? <laughs> well, yeah. It's it's really hard to go into any important subject these days, particularly one which affects virtually everyone, and not expect to get into the deep end pretty quick. <laughs> which seems to be where we live. <laughs> <laughs> but thank God we're not afraid to get wet, right, Tom? No, we really, really don't want to have to hang around this earthly schoolroom any longer than absolutely necessary. We've been here long enough as it is. And if we can find ways to resolve our karmic issues with our spouses, soulmates, and twin flames, that will simply speed our journey home. And with our relationship with our twin flames fully restored, we will once again know the blissful wholeness we were intended to share for eternity. So we so we now come full circle to realize that everyone who's looking for true love is really looking for wholeness. And though our eventual wholeness may come as a result of an inward quest, we know that God has blessed the human institution of marriage as an opportunity for two individuals, a man and a woman, to develop wholeness through the exchange of their alpha and omega polarities. Their masculine and feminine polarities. And whether this marriage is between twin flames, soulmates, or karmic partners, the union is meant to be mystical. In fact, it is no coincidence that Jesus chose to perform his first public miracle at a wedding. Right, the marriage feast at Cana. Mm-hmm, that's right, where, we, where he turned water into wine. Symbolically, this was a way of telling us that unless the marriage union is transformed by the Holy Spirit, it is only an outer experience. So I think that what we're saying here is that all relationships have the capacity to be mystical and holy, that there is a sacredness to relationships that should be honored and, well, spiritualized. Again, it is through our relationships that a great deal of learning about ourselves and our world can be accomplished. The cosmic interchange of divine love in the marriage relationship is meant to be the same creative love that framed the universe in the beginning. And here we are once again, back to one of our favorite themes, (laughs) that we are co-creators with God. Amazing how that happens, huh? (laughs) Yeah. One moment we're talking about twin flames and soulmates, and the next moment we're talking about God-given power to create. No surprise that the two are related. In relationships, we are dealing with the sacred energies of creation and life, Mm -hmm. something that we should never take lightly. You know, which is why casual relationships, for example, can sometimes be so counterproductive. It is really unfortunate that sexuality these days is treated with such a lack of reverence. Sad but true. Casual sexuality diminishes what can be a beautiful and mystical exchange of energies. Those relationships that are primarily focused on physical intimacy 
can easily shift attention away from the real purpose of the sacred adventure and the holy journey of marriage. So if we enter each relationship as an opportunity to become more of God, and as an opportunity to help our partner become more of God too, we will be honoring the institution in the creative spirit in which it was originally intended. I think it should be abundantly clear to our listeners by now that everything we do is an opportunity to learn, to advance our souls on the path of wholeness and freedom. And relationships offer us a particularly rich opportunity to explore the true dimensions of our being as we travel this road to wholeness. And now, having said that, we would like to turn your attention to a very thought-provoking lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the subject of soulmates and twin flames. And she doesn't stop there, does she? Oh, no. She also covers the real meaning of sex and... She answers the question, how do we achieve ultimate bliss? And we'll get to all of that when we return. Please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. What do we absolutely need to know about soulmates and twin flames? What is the role of sex in relationships? And is ultimate bliss even possible? In the following interview, Elizabeth Clare Prophet tackles these questions and more. Our interviewer is Doug Kenyon. Picking up where we left off yesterday, what about soulmates and twin flames? As we were saying, twin flames are the opposite polarity of the same being. People in love often find that they feel in their oneness that they are part of the same person. And this is the energy of love that comes from God, as God really is the source of love in our relationships. Twin flames were created by God in the beginning, out of the same sphere of consciousness. Each half of the whole has the same electronic pattern or blueprint, and that blueprint is not duplicated anywhere in cosmos. Twin flames often look alike, and yet they are often opposite 
in their manifestations as they are intended to be the totality of the Father, Mother, God in expression. Soulmates are complementary souls who are working out a polarity of manifestation in one of the planes of consciousness. Their tie is for a particular mastery in time and space, whereas the ultimate union is with one's twin flame. Now, the energies which twin flames share are the energies of God. And when these energies are consecrated to the glorification of the real self and of reality, we find that joy and bliss and expansion of consciousness and creativity follow them wherever they go. How likely is it that a person will find one's soulmate or one's twin flame? It is often very likely. People incarnate and they travel halfway around the world to find that twin flame. And it is because there is an inner magnet and an inner lodestone that draws one to one's true self, one's inner self and to its representative in form. The story of Evangeline is the story of the pursuit of one's twin flame. There's a great deal of energy on sexual matters going around these days, and we hear a lot of talk about it's absolutely essential to be free in what one does. How do you feel about that? Well, I look at the word sex as an abbreviated term for sacred energy or sacral energy. Sex is the sacred energy of life, and the origin of that energy is in the mother focus, the base of the spine chakra. I don't deal with sex as being right or wrong, but I deal with God as energy. I deal with the individual having free will and the gift from God to determine what he will do with that energy. He may choose to meditate upon the trinity within the heart and the magnet of light within the heart to raise the energy of the sacred fire from the base of the spine chakra. With the raising of that kundalini comes an experience in each succeeding chakra. In the base of the spine chakra, the seat of the soul, then the solar plexus, the heart, the throat, the third eye, and the crown. These centers are sacred centers for God awareness. The polarity of the centers is the masculine ray. When we raise the mother light or the mother energy from the base of the spine, there is the fulfillment of wholeness in each succeeding chakra and the individual will experience the bliss of attunement with the Father-Mother God and of wholeness. Sex, then, is much more than a simple experience between man and woman. It is a very intimate experience with God. And the individual has been given a gift of energy. It is a portion of the Godhead. And a portion of that energy is anchored in each of the chakras. We have the free will then to decide what we will do with this energy. Many people have seen that through meditation and the giving of mantras, how easy it is to raise the sacred fire and to begin to have deep inner experiences in the mysteries of God. Alternatively, the use of the sacred fire in sex has its highest culmination when it is for the bringing forth of children within the marriage framework. That is the great dedication of the sacred fires within the base chakra itself. When it is not for the purpose of bringing forth children, it is for the purpose of the balance of energies between man and woman in the married state. 
Now that balance of energy may also be achieved by the raising of the energies of the spine and their consecration in each of the chakras until finally the opening of the thousand petal lotus through the crown chakra. The bliss of this experience cannot be described and it cannot be compared to any earthly bliss. It is beyond what anyone could even imagine he could experience in this life. The bliss of that union then far outweighs any other union, and yet, until man and woman have tasted of that fruit, many, of course, prefer the sexual experience. Then you're saying that that enlightenment is related to inner wholeness. Well, I would say enlightenment is related to the raising of the energies of the mother to become one with the father within the self. Enlightenment comes through contact with God. So we've talked about the proper use of sexual energies. What about the misuse of sexual energies? The misuse of sexual energies comes about in the overindulgence in sex and its perversions, which we are aware are rampant on earth today. The normal flow of the sexual energies between man and woman, united and blessed by their own inner God presence, is certainly ordained by the Lord, the misuse of sex cuts off the natural attunement of the soul with the I am presence because the soul requires this sacred fire in order to rise to that higher level of consciousness which is the union with the Godhead. We find that the misuse of sex and its proliferation in promiscuity results in untimely diseases, degeneration, and disintegration. Michelangelo was asked why the face of Mary in the Pieta was so young when Jesus was 33 and she is holding him as he comes down from the cross. And his reply was that the virtuous woman is always young. It is not a matter of sin and virtue. It is not a matter of right and wrong. It is a matter of the conservation of the life force. When one conserves the life force, one has a greater quantity of God manifesting within the temple. And so I think that by free will, when individuals misuse sex through overindulgence, that they are depriving themselves of cosmic consciousness. People then who are sensual by nature are very much involved in the things of this world, and they deprive themselves of the inner bliss of the heaven world that is within all of us. This is the great loss, not because it is a sin, but because the sex has become a wedge between the self and the Godhead. The thrust of so much of the material that you see on media and read in books and literature these days seems to be directed toward persuading people to misuse their sexual energies. Is this directed toward death? Well, I would say that the attempt to keep mankind in an eternal round of involvement in the things of this world, we might say, is calculated to deprogram the soul from its natural inclination to rise. The natural inclination of the soul to seek the inner union with the God-Self is very much a part of the yearning and the sense of loneliness. And because people do not have the path presented to them, they satiate themselves in the activities of this life and they keep themselves going 24 hours a day because when everything stops, they are still left with that gnawing, that loneliness, which is the soul that has not been satisfied through that bliss experience, which should be the daily experience of one's meditation. 
So you're offering meditation as uh, an alternative. I have given courses in meditation and in the use of the science of the spoken word where I have seen young people and people of all ages draw the energies of the sacred fire naturally into higher chakras. And I have seen the blossoming of life. I have seen joy and health and radiant faces and fulfillment that the world would not conceive could be achieved with the mastery of this energy. In light of what you've said, what's your advice to young people? Well, I would emphasize the fact that we have all been given this tremendous gift from God, which is free will. The second tremendous gift we have been given is the use of God's energy. All energy which we use in thought and feeling and in our sexual expressions belongs to God. What we have to realize is we have only so much energy that we have been given, and we must decide what we are to use it on. This energy is reflected in the quantity of time and space that is available to us each day and the limitations which we all experience of what we can accomplish. Multiply this over a lifetime and you see that there is not an infinite portion but a finite portion that is allotted to us. I would tell young people then that the sacred fire within you is your creative life force. You can put it to use for the elevation of the entire earth or you can squander it on the immediate indulgences of the senses. I would say that sex in proportion and in balance is part of life on earth, but when it becomes out of balance, it becomes the death of the soul consciousness. I would encourage young people then to take up the study of meditation, to study the science of the spoken word, to experiment with the experiencing of these sacred energies in all of the chakras and not just in the base of the spine. This is altogether possible and it can be begun today and the experiences that you can have beginning right now are phenomenal. There is just a world of light and joy waiting for the individual who will just try to enter into meditation and in the use of scientific mantras. Isn't special training required? Yes, special training is required, and this is why we have Summit University here, why we've written a number of books on the subject. It does require coming in contact with those who are currently demonstrating this science, and we'd like to invite young people to visit us and to call us up to just for a moment consider an alternative way of life which actually has been lived for thousands of years in previous cultures on earth thank you very much we'll pick up where we left off yes indeed we will uh, certainly nothing trivial here huh no <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way if you do find yourself interested in looking up um, some of those titles uh, on meditation and science of the spoken word and violet fling you can find them at tsl.org slash bookstore and uh, look around, and you can also find books from Summit University Press on Amazon.com. Now, up next, our weekly Q&A. Today, once again, we are joined by Reverend Sidney Bennett. Please stay with us. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. 
Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. Right now, all over the world, Warriors of Light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back and very happy once again to welcome Reverend Sidney Bennett to discuss soulmates, twin flames, and karmic relationships. I <laughs> Another it. easy subject, eh? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I think I kind of tipped you ahead of time here. That We'll start off with the nice, light, trivial questions first. <laughs> How about this one? <laughs> you know, um, the God-intended nature of the marriage relationship is certainly a, a topic that's complex, complicated, um, downright divisive at times. Would you be willing to share with us the Ascended Master's position on relationships and marriage? You, you know, everything has to be taken in context. And, of course, it's very easy to be polarized on this issue. And, of course, our society is polarized on this issue today. But to have it in the proper context, then you can understand where we're going and how we get there. The fact that we were created in a divine polarity, male and female, masculine and feminine. In fact, the Godhead is masculine and feminine. And it's really an incredible teaching when you think about it, this whole concept of another half of us, so to speak, mm-hmm. and the bliss and the joy of that union that God has intended for us. Well, we lost that first estate, as we all know. So how do we get back there? 
Well, we have to, as you suggested, Tom and Terry in the opening, we have to balance our karma. We have to gain mastery. We have to learn. We have to grow. And at the same time, we have to provide a chalice for souls that are, you know, physically embodying on the planet. So it's, it's a complex relationship. But we need to understand that in order to return to God, we must have mastered that polarity in our four lower bodies and our soul in order not only to find our twin flame, but to reunite with God in our ascension. And the vehicle of a relationship, a family, a marriage between man and women is a vehicle by which we can do that. And for many people, that's the best vehicle they can follow. In addition to that, the unit of the family is absolutely key for the Aquarian age on the planetary body. Amen. You know, we have to teach people. They have to understand if people knew better, they would do better. And that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. my broken record. I love but it's that so true. Mm-hmm. And so when we put it in the proper context and we understand that, and we say, well, where did we go wrong? Well, we all went wrong at various places. But we have to ultimately return to that divine polarity in order to find our wholeness. And so that's the goal of marriage. It also learns us, in a sense, how to prepare to be be God. Um, you know, when you nurture a child and bring them up, we all parents all know that you are God to that child, at least for, oh. at least for the first few years, anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and um, and so it's understanding how to nurture and grow because God has a plan for us. After we make our ascension, we'll be nurturing nurturing life waves and planets and civilizations, and those skills will come in handy. So the relationship of marriage is a wonderful way not only to learn that, but also, as you suggested, to balance the karma that we need to do in order to move on on our spiritual path. Well, you know, the wholeness, the balance, the harmony, all those things are very spherical. There's there's a certain mind uh, image that you get there that that's that Tai Chi. It's the Alpha Omega. I mean, all those things are very... And, and you know, whole. we really know at inner levels that that is possible. It's just we get tripped up, obviously, yeah, right. and, and get lost sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people in the so-called New Age movement have, over the last 40 or 50 years, considered themselves spiritually married, even if they have not had their marriage consecrated or confirmed by a lawful ceremony. Uh, is there a karmic price that these people pay in the absence of proper consecration? Well, there is. And I think, again, it's an understanding of how cosmic law works. When uh, a couple are married by someone with a religious mantle, and it doesn't have to be uh, any particular mantle, but one that obviously pays devotion to God mm-hmm. and to the spiritual path. When that happens, there is a level of sponsorship of that marriage that comes. And that sponsorship has a lot of benefits. One, it is a protection of light around that circle of fire that between that man and that woman. In other words, there's, there's a wall of protection that you get from a spiritual sponsorship mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. don't get through either a civil ceremony or through not marrying at all. Because people say, well, what's the difference? I love so-and-so. We, we can stir ourselves marriage. Well, you know, that's fine. People have free will and so forth. But you do lose something with that. And if you understand that there was a spiritual aspect to relationships and not just the physical or the convenience or the setting up a household, so to speak, then it's something we desire to have because it affords a protection and a sponsorship that will help you not only to balance your karma, but to grow spiritually. And why it's so important to consecrate the union. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So spiritualize everything you do in marriage exactly. and life. Is divorce ever lawful? You know, of course, we know from tradition in the Christian religion that, that divorce was forbidden. But the Ascended Masters teach that there does come a time in relationships when divorce, while never desirable, may be an appropriate end. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people have karma, and at a certain point they do balance that karma, and it may be the time for them to go their separate ways. But, boy, you got to be careful to know when that is. You don't want to leave before the karma is balanced, nor do you want to stay beyond the appropriate time. I mean, some people, even after their karma is balanced, 
will stay together, um, and it's really not God's will necessarily. So you always have to know what is God's will and be very prayerful because God brought you together for a purpose, and you certainly don't want to prematurely end that, nor do you want to prolong it longer than necessary, especially if it's if it's a difficult one. Well, I think maybe... T- well, well, go ahead, Terry. Well, I was just thinking, uh, as we as we have come to the end of the Piscean Age and are entering the Aquarian Age, too, uh, there is an opportunity to have more than one relationship in a in a 70-year lifetime. If it's so necessary, speak, right? and I think yeah. that's the key. What is necessary spiritually? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes a couple will come together very specifically to have certain children because they have karma with those yeah. children. Yeah, and obviously it's desirable they stay together as long as the children are growing and so forth. But you know that may be the only karma they have in that life, and then for whatever reason, maybe one or both of them need to do something different spiritually. But again, we don't want to just use this as an excuse to say "see you later." Right. Um, and this is where it takes deep attunement with God and deep prayer to know if that's the case, because obviously many people have been married for many, many decades and years and are very happy and see no reason to change. Yeah. Well, I think you made a point a moment ago that should probably be amplified, and that is that if we bail out early from a relationship that's difficult, we might be making two, two, I mean, more karma in that instance, but also removing from us an opportunity to balance the karma that we already have. Well, exactly right. And you know what? If you don't balance it, you're going to repeat the same thing over and over again. And you kind of, I think... Tongue-in-cheek, Tom referred in the introduction there to people being married for a thousand times or together. But literally, until that karma is balanced, you will come back together with that person. So even though it may be difficult, it's an enlightened self-interest to (laughs) see the karma through. And, you know, God will show you. If we, if we're devout and prayerful, when is the time or when is not the time? But you, you know, this is why forgiveness is so important. If you don't forgive someone, you're going to come right back and be with them all over again. (laughs) And so again, it's called enlightened self-interest. If you want to move on spiritually and this other person doesn't, then forgive them and move on. But, um, there comes a time to let go and there's a time to stay to the end till the karma is done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, from the point of view of karma, uh, would you say that all relationships would be more successful if each is viewed as an opportunity to balance our debts to life? And you've, and you've already kind of mentioned enlightened self-interest. Uh, expand on that a little bit for us. You know, most of us go into a relationship, you know, what's in it for me kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's understandable at one level because we are seeking certain wholeness or a relationship and marriage can be a wonderful, um, thing to enjoy and share life with a person and so forth. But we have to understand that from a spiritual perspective, there's much more going on here. Uh-huh. What do I need to learn from this relationship? Mm-hmm. What karma do I need to balance? What are the lessons of love that I have failed in the past that I need to learn now? I was speaking to someone recently who told me, you know, that until they had children, they were actually very selfish people. <laughs> and they said, having children taught me to be unselfish. Isn't that a beautiful oh, totally. you know, thought? And you can well, see where if this soul hadn't cho- chosen to have children, that selfishness would not have taken them to a good place, ultimately. Well, no, and I, you know, I, I'm reminded as you say that, that um, very often I've heard other parents, and I've certainly said this to my friends, my children became my greatest teachers, mm-hmm. and I wasn't fully aware of that because my first role was to nurture, to protect, to instruct, whatever I was there to do, I thought. But suddenly this little two-year-old has just given me one of the greatest life lessons I've ever received (laughs) just by virtue of being. And I thought to myself, that is why you're here. That's why I was put in this moment in this time with this child. You know, know? if I could digress to you for a second, Tom, because you you have stirred something uh, that I point I want to make. You know, many young people to say today are saying, you know, we're not going to have children. We know there's there's too Mm -hmm. many people on this planet and on and on and on. It's expensive and so forth. And this is a great tragedy for many reasons. 
And one of the reasons is that we need to have children if it's God's will, because mm-hmm. we need to balance that karma. We need to give life. You know, there's, there's for every soul that is born, there's 10 others waiting to try to get into embodiment. And what happens, and of course, this is the great tragedy of abortion, is that because of all the souls that have been aborted since 1973, people aren't here that are supposed to be here. And many of the young people today are looking around for, you know, where is my spouse? Where is my twin flame? They're not here because they've been aborted. Or, my, or my friend that I'm, or my I'm supposed friend to be working with. Or my friend that I'm with. supposed to work and have a mission with. Right. And this is a great tragedy. So, you know, uh, when we think, well, we don't want to overpopulate the earth, believe me, God is not going to overpopulate the earth. There are so many souls waiting to be born. If you can care for souls and love them, then open up your homes and your hearts because it's the greatest thing you can do, not only for them, but for you as well. Well, and here's another point. I think that in addition to that, we have the whole concept of adoption, that it doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have a biological child. If in our service to life, we are able to nurture a soul, there's, there's no coincidence, not an accident. No. You know? And Absolutely. I think you can speak to that. Well, we do. We have an adopted daughter, and my wife had a dream before we got her, and she saw an adoption angel. And it had, <laughs> she had a banner across oh, an adoption angel. So there are angels out there. And this soul that, that has been part of our life and so blessed us, she was meant to come to us. There's no doubt about it. So God is going to work these things out if you put your trust and your faith and offer yourself as a chalice of love, whether it's in a marriage relationship, whether it's bringing forth children or whatever you do. But I want it, one more point, if I may, oh, sure. is that it's also enlightened self-interest. If we deny life and don't sponsor life in terms of children, when it comes our time to re-embody, guess what? You go to the end of the line. Yeah. And that's very painful for souls. Well, I think one of the concepts we've talked about before, and I think it came up just a moment ago, service to life. That's one of the um, prerequisites for our ascension. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that we can serve life in many ways. We can be a parent. We can support parenthood. We can certainly support life in very various ways and not stand silent because, remember, I think we talked about it last week, silence is ascent. Yeah. By our silence, we consent to things. And their life is challenged. Life is in danger. And by the way, you know, there are people that it's not their divine plan to have children in this embodiment, and that's fine, but you can still sponsor life. And that's a legitimate path, as we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. But this, you know, this is where we're calling for God's will every day. God, hmm. show me what I need to do to master life, to balance my karma, and to learn how to express love and to give love, because this is what it's about. Yeah. And and I was just thinking too, you know, the way a, a father and a mother will go before the karmic board to to review um, you know, the whole process of having a child and who who the soul that's going to be incarnating will be. The same thing could be happening for uh, let's say a a a, a father and a mother to be and another father and mother to be that are having a child. It's so a, you're 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 working with the it's karmic a chain board reaction, and, you know. Yeah. And consequences are either good or bad, and they go on for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, before we close this segment, there's one little caveat we should all probably put out here, and that is that you shouldn't expect a karmic relationship to be a bed of roses. I mean, that if we have children, it doesn't mean that we're going to have a blissful time with our children. It's, you know, everybody who has got <laughs> children. That's any parent kind of test. Yeah, you're shaking your head right now, I know. But I think that's important to realize is that sometimes that karma certainly comes with thorns. It comes with jagged edges. And being prepared for that is one of the reasons why we pray. It's one of the reasons why we prepare ourselves and put this thought form and this this force field around it so that it can survive. You know, and that's why mothers-to-be, doing the violet flame before your child is born is the greatest thing you can do. If you have karma with that child, you can balance a whole bunch of it before that child is even born. Oh, And so you have a much better and stronger relationship. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Well, let's... 
about all the time we have right near, uh, yeah. right now, uh, for the moment. But uh, don't go away, folks. We'll be right back with more from Sidney Bennett. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. Right now, all over the world, warriors of light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. We are back with Sid Bennett to continue our discussion of soulmates, twin flames, and karmic relationships. Now, I think a point needs to be made here that a lot of the relationships that we're talking about suggest length. You know, that we're talking about committed relationships uh-huh. or relationships over time. But sometimes we just run into people who rub us the wrong way. I'm assuming that this is probably a karmic relationship that's being revisited. <laughs> <laughs> you know, God takes advantage of every opportunity he can yeah. to help us balance our karma. And, of course, we like to have it easy and nice. I mean, who doesn't? Yeah. <laughs> but God and the angels will bring people into your path, into your life that you have karma with. And a lot of times we'll bristle 
at their presence. You know what I mean? It's oh. like, oh, that person just rubbed me the wrong way. Right. Well, you know, who knows what you did to them in a previous life? That's <laughs> the reason they treat you that way. Yeah. But many times also, it's a ref- what irritates um, them in you, irritates their behavior in you, is a pattern that you have that you need to resolve in your psyche. Yeah. And so always look within. That doesn't mean you have to be a victim to everyone's verbal or even physical abuse, but you need to understand that the reason that person is there, it's a karma, and you need to deal with it. And, of course, you know, again, the violet flame, if you have a difficult relationship with at work or your family or any place, try putting the violet flame into that relationship for a certain period of time and see if the rough edges don't get smoothed away. And you might be surprised how quickly you balance that karma and that person, if the, you know, may move on out of your life and so forth. But it takes work. Just don't be a victim of these things, but be positive. Take Put the violet flame into them. Forgive people. <clears throat> extend yourself. And, you know, if you have to take a few lumps to your ego, well, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe more than a few. <laughs> you know, I um, wanted to repeat a point you made there because I think it's very important. And one of the ways that I've chosen to remember it is what we see in others, we strengthen in ourselves so that we can recognize the golden opportunity to learn something from somebody else who does rub us wrong because, as you said, that's probably reminding us of something inside us that we're not particularly yeah, you happy You said it much better than I did, but I think it's, it's, <laughs> an, it's one an, in a row. <laughs> it's, it's an understanding that we are not here to be comfortable. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, and, and of course that's not what the world teaches, you know. That doesn't mean we can't be happy or joyous as we've shared, and there is a great joy in the path. But you're going to be given opportunity to demonstrate mastery. Take advantage of that opportunity. Because we can't repeat often enough, if you don't master it now, you're going to face it again. And it's going to be a limitation to your spiritual progress and growth, to your ascension and everything else. And it may be a limitation to getting together with your twin flame. You may have a relationship with someone else in a karmic marriage that must be resolved before you can be united with your twin flame. It's as simple as that. So whatever God position God has placed you under your karma... Work through that. Don't always look to get out of it or escape it or run away from it. It may be a time for it to move on, but as long as you're there, take advantage of the opportunity. God and his angels have worked overtime to get you and this other person in this relationship simply so you could deal with this karma and both of you could move on. Don't oh, I know. <laughs> Just think how hard the angels work to, to line that stuff up. Yeah, amazing. So let's say we're in a karmic relationship that has some sharp edges. Do we just stick it out until the bitter end, and or what other options do we have? You know, we've talked a lot about the will of God um, on this program, and it's not just an intangible, it's a very tangible thing. God has a will and a purpose, and if you're prayerful about it, God will show you the time. And, you know, it's not just a one-time thing and a, a fleeting feeling, <coughs> feeling, but mm-hmm. have God take command of the situation to make it absolutely clear what is God's will. Do you need to stay and, and, and suffer the slings and arrows of it, so to speak, or is it time to bow your head and move on and say, God bless you? So that's where the will of God and your spiritual work are so essential to know the answer to that question. And don't look outside of you for that answer. Look within. Yeah. You know, um, Again, I, th- I think we keep coming back to this question from different angles, but we know that, you know, attitude makes a difference, prayer, recognizing that we can't do it alone, you know, recognizing our own accountability. And even though we have all these tools and stuff, you know, what if we're willing to try anything, but our spouse isn't? You know, doesn't the decision to work through the karma and the relationship have to be mutual to f- for it to work? You know, I mean, <laughs> we have to have agreement, don't we? 
Well, we do. I mean, it, it takes two, obviously, to totally resolve something. And we can't control what another person does, but we can control what we do. And so there, if we have a karma with a particular person, that other person is unwilling to, to work through it and balance it, then nonetheless, we have to do our part to balance our karma. So that's where forgiveness comes in, sending forth the violet flame into a relationship. Because that other person, if they're unwilling to work through it, if you do your part, will not hold you back. Yeah. In other words, because there's some people that just, just aren't going to bend the knee and aren't going to say they're so angry or they're so hurt or whatever it is. It may take a very long time. Mm-hmm. But you, if you do your part and bring forth light and forgiveness and the violet fame to the relationship, you can still balance your half of the equation. It's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Earlier, we raised the issue of sexuality, and we heard Mrs. Prophet talking about it in the context of the sacred fire. Now, this is energy that should never be taken lightly. So what can you tell us about misuses of the sacred fire? Well, isn't it isn't an amazing teaching when you think about sacred energy? You know, most people think about sex as being a physical uh, activity that is for the propagation of life and whatever else they want mm-hmm. to use it for. But to understand this is the gift of God, it brings a reverence and an honoring of that energy and a respect for that energy. Mm-hmm. And even in a relationship, a physical relationship in a marriage, that needs to be spiritualized. You know, we don't exclude God from where we are. God mm-hmm. is a part of everything. But when that is misused, when there is not the respecting and the honoring of that energy, then it becomes a squandering of the light force that is not sponsored, and it's a karma we make, number one. And number two, as Mrs. Prophet pointed out, it's energy and light that we need in our bodies to grow spiritually. And it's an understanding of why, for instance, we mentioned earlier about a sponsorship, you know, a spiritual sponsorship on marriage, you know, that light is protected and raised up. It doesn't just dissipate and go out. And one final point I'll make about this, We've talked about before about the fallen angels. Where do they get their light? They don't get it from God. So where do they want to get it? They want to get it from the people. And when a, a relationship is not sanctified and blessed, then they're vulnerable to have that light taken from them. And, of course, why do the fallen angels want to get young people and all this promiscuous sexual activity and the perversion of the light? They steal it. They steal they it. Steal and it's it. a plot against the soul. Wow. Well, I mean, and it's, it's a profound realization. And I think that one of the, the points that Mrs. Prophet made in, in her interview was that, um, this is more than a simple experience between a man and a woman or a singular experience either for that matter, but this is actually an intimate experience with God. That puts it in a whole different light. Well, it does. Again, bring a reverence to the marriage relationship. And you know, I'm also reminded of the phrase conceived in sin. This is a matrix that's been put on the light bearers of this plan that somehow sin is sinful, mm. you know. And, of course, people are going to rebel against that because it doesn't make sense. And so this idea of conceived in sin is, is a lie because when the marriage relationship is blessed and it brings forth children, it is conceived in light and love and the sponsorship <laughs> of God. Mm-hmm. And that is what we need to make true spiritual progress. People that don't care about that, they don't care what they do. Mm-hmm. And But for those that are ready to embrace a spiritual path, a spiritual life that have that yearning deep within to return to God and know that all parts of their life must be spiritualized, not just their prayers in the morning and night or on Sunday, then this understanding is such a liberating thought and and freeing action that there can be shared love and the bliss and joy of God to bring forth his creation and his children and that this light can be preserved and raised up and it will be a stepping stone to help us even get closer to God. And we're going to use that light and energy properly because we love God and we are mindful of the opportunity we have. 
Opportunity is not forever. We know how short the lifespan is. Take advantage of this opportunity. Take advantage of this light that God has given you. Use it properly. Use it for your growth, your progress, your balancing your karma, for the joy of life, for the love of life, and all the wonderful things that God has in store for us that are so great, not only on this planet, but beyond. So if you want union with your twin flame, if you want that ultimate coming together in the spirit of God, Face what you've got to face today, whether it's karma, which we all have, circumstances or whatever. Build on it. Respect God energies. Love God's energies. Invoke God's energies. The violet flame. All these things. Your life will change. It will be different. It will be the way you want it to be. And you'll be one step closer to not only your twin flame, but reunion with God. Wow. wow. <laughs> Thank you, Sid. Sydney, what? Uh, well, on that note, another hour has simply vanished here, and it's time to wrap things up. Thank you, Sid, for joining us today. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. And we want to thank you out there for joining us, too, as well. Have any questions or concerns? Simply send them to us at webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org, and we'll do our best to answer you promptly. We will. And in the meantime, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out Out of this this world. world. God bless you, everyone. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.